Volume two, part two, chapter forty four of the ingenious gentleman Don Quixote of La Mancha by Miguel de Cervantes Saavedra, translated by John Ormsby, eighteen twenty nine to eighteen ninety five. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Volume two, part two, chapter forty four. How Sancho Panza was conducted to his government and of the strange adventure that befell don quixote in the castle it is stated they say in the true original of this history that when cid hamet came to write this chapter his interpreter did not translate it as he wrote it that is as a kind of complaint the more made against himself for having taken in hand a story so dry and of so little variety as this of don quixote for he found himself forced to speak perpetually of him and sancho without venturing to indulge in digressions and episodes more serious and more interesting he said too that to go on mind hand pen always restricted to writing upon one single subject and speaking through the mouths of the few characters was intolerable drudgery the result of which was never equal to the author's labour and that to avoid this he had in the first part availed himself of the device of novels like the ill-advised curiosity and the captive captain which stand as it were apart from the story the others are given there being incidents which occurred to don quixote himself and could not be omitted he also thought he says that many engrossed by the interest attaching to the exploits of don quixote would take none in the novels and pass them over hastily or impatiently without noticing the elegance and art of their composition which would be very manifest were they published by themselves and not as mere adjuncts to the crazes of don quixote or the simplicities of sancho therefore in this second part he thought it best not to insert novels either separate or interwoven but only episodes something like them arising out of the circumstances the facts present and even these sparingly and with no more words than suffice to make them plain and as he confines and restricts himself to the narrow limits of the narrative though he has ability capacity and brains enough to deal with the whole universe he requests that his labours may not be despised and that credit be given him not alone for what he writes but for what he has refrained from writing and so he goes on with his story saying that the day don quixote gave the counsels to sancho the same afternoon after dinner he handed them to him in writing so that he might get someone to read them to him they had scarcely however been given to him when he let them drop and they fell into the hands of the duke who showed them to the duchess and they were both amazed afresh at the madness and wit of don quixote to carry on the joke then the same evening they dispatched sancho with a large following to the village that was to serve him for an island it happened that the person who had him in charge was a majordomo of the duke's a man of great discretion and humour and there can be no humour without discretion and the same who played the part of the countess trifaldi in the comical way that has been already described and thus qualified and instructed by his master and mistress as to how to deal with sancho he carried out their scheme admirably now it came to pass that as soon as sancho saw this majordomo he seemed in his features to recognize those of the trifaldi and turning to his master he said to him senor either the devil will carry me off here on this spot righteous and believing or your worship will own to me that the face of this majordomo of the duke's here is the very face of the distressed one don quixote regarded the majordomo attentively and having done so said to sancho 
there is no reason why the devil should carry thee off sancho either righteous or believing and what thou meanest by that i know not the face of the distressed one is that of the majordomo but for all that the majordomo is not the distressed one for his being so would involve a mighty contradiction but this is not the time for going into questions of the sort which would be involving ourselves in an inextricable labyrinth believe me my friend we must pray earnestly to our lord that he deliver us both from wicked wizards and enchanters it is no joke senor said sancho for before this i heard him speak and it seemed exactly as if the voice of the trifaldi was sounding in my ears well i'll hold my peace but i'll take care to be on the lookout henceforth for any sign that may be seen to confirm or do away with this suspicion thou wilt do well sancho said don quixote and thou wilt let me know all thou discoverest and all that befalls thee in thy government sancho at last set out attended by a great number of people he was dressed in the garb of a lawyer with a gabon of tawny watered camlet over all and a montera cap of the same material and mounted a la jineta upon a mule behind him in accordance with the duke's orders followed dapple with brand-new ass trappings and ornaments of silk and from time to time sancho turned round to look at his ass so well pleased to have him with him that he would not have changed places with the emperor of germany on taking leave he kissed the hands of the duke and duchess and got his master's blessing which don quixote gave him with tears and he received blubbering let worthy sancho go in peace and good luck to him gentle reader and look out for two bushels of laughter which the account of how he behaved himself in office will give thee in the meantime turn thy attention to what happened his master the same night and if thou dost not laugh thereat at any rate thou wilt stretch thy mouth with a grin for don quixote's adventures must be honoured either with wonder or with laughter it is recorded then that as soon as sancho had gone don quixote felt his loneliness and had it been possible for him to revoke the mandate and take away the government from him he would have done so the duchess observed his dejection and asked him why he was melancholy because she said if it was for the loss of sancho there were squires duennas and damsels in her house who would wait upon him to his full satisfaction the truth is senora replied don quixote that i do feel the loss of sancho but that is not the main cause of my looking sad and of all the offers your excellence makes me i accept only the good will with which they are made and as to the remainder i entreat of your excellence to permit and allow me alone to wait upon myself in my chamber indeed senor don quixote said the duchess that must not be four of my damsels as beautiful as flowers shall wait upon you to me said don quixote they will not be flowers but thorns to pierce my heart they or anything like them shall as soon enter my chamber as fly if your highness wishes to gratify me still further though i deserve it not permit me to please myself and wait upon myself in my own room for i place a barrier between my inclinations and my virtue and i do not wish to break this rule through the generosity your highness is disposed to display towards me and in short i will sleep in my clothes sooner than allow any one to undress me say no more senor don quixote say no more said the duchess i assure you i will give orders that not even a fly not to say a damsel shall enter your room i am not the one to undermine the propriety of senor don quixote for it strikes me that among his many virtues the one that is preeminent is that of modesty 
your worship may undress and dress in private and in your own way as you please and when you please for there will be no one to hinder you and in your chamber you will find all the utensils requisite to supply the wants of one who sleeps with his door locked to the end that no natural needs compel you to open it may the great dulcinea del toboso live a thousand years and may her fame extend all over the surface of the globe for she deserves to be loved by a knight so valiant and so virtuous and may kind heaven infuse zeal into the heart of our governor sancho panza to finish off his discipline speedily so that the world may once more enjoy the beauty of so grand a lady to which don quixote replied your highness has spoken like what you are from the mouth of a noble lady nothing bad can come and dulcinea will be more fortunate and better known to the world by the praise of your highness than by all the eulogies the greatest orators on earth could bestow upon her well well senor don quixote said the duchess it is nearly supper-time and the duke is probably waiting come let us go to supper and retire to rest early for the journey you made yesterday from candy was not such a short one but that it must have caused you some fatigue i feel none senora said don quixote for i would go so far as to swear to your excellence that in all my life i never mounted a quieter beast or a pleasanter paced one than clavileno and i don't know what could have induced malambruno to discard a steed so swift and so gentle and burn it so recklessly as he did probably said the duchess repenting of the evil he had done to the trifaldi and company and others and the crimes he must have committed as a wizard and enchanter he resolved to make away with all the instruments of his craft and so burn clavileno as the chief one and that which mainly kept him restless wandering from land to land and by its ashes and the trophy of the placard the valour of the great don quixote of la mancha is established for ever don quixote renewed his thanks to the duchess and having supped retired to his chamber alone refusing to allow any one to enter with him to wait on him such was his fear of encountering temptations that might lead or drive him to forget his chaste fidelity to his lady dulcinea for he had always present to his mind the virtue of amadis that flower and mirror of knights-errant he locked the door behind him and by the light of two wax candles undressed himself but as he was taking off his stockings oh disaster unworthy of such a personage there came a burst not of sighs or anything belying his delicacy or good breeding but of some two dozen stitches in one of his stockings that made it look like a window lattice the worthy gentleman was beyond measure distressed and at that moment he would have given an ounce of silver to have had half a drachm of green silk there i say green silk because the stockings were green here cid hamet exclaimed as he was writing oh poverty poverty i know not what could have possessed the great cordovan poet to call the holy gift ungratefully received although a moor i know well enough from the intercourse i have had with christians that holiness consists in charity humility faith obedience and poverty but for all that i say he must have a great deal of godliness who can find any satisfaction in being poor unless indeed it be the kind of poverty one of their greatest saints refers to saying possess all things as though ye possess them not which is what they call poverty in spirit but thou that other poverty for it is of thee i am speaking now why dost thou love to fall out with gentlemen and men of good birth more than with other people why dost thou compel them to smear the cracks in their shoes 
and to have the buttons of their coats one silk another hair and another glass why must their ruffs be always crinkled like endive leaves and not crimped with a crimping iron from this we may perceive the iniquity of starch and crimped ruffs then he goes on poor gentleman of good family always cockering up his honour dining miserably and in secret and making a hypocrite of the toothpick with which he sallies out into the street after eating nothing to oblige him to use it poor fellow i say with his nervous honour fancying they perceive a league off the patch on his shoe the sweat stains on his hat the shabbiness of his cloak fancying they perceive a league off the patch on his shoe the sweat stains on his hat the shabbiness of his cloak and the hunger of his stomach all this was brought home to don quixote by the bursting of his stitches however he comforted himself on perceiving that sancho had left behind a pair of travelling boots which he resolved to wear the next day at last he went to bed out of spirits and heavy at heart as much because he missed sancho as because of the irreparable disaster to his stockings the stitches of which he would have even taken up with silk of another colour which is one of the greatest signs of poverty a gentleman can show in the course of his never-failing embarrassments he put out the candles but the night was warm and he could not sleep he rose from his bed and opened slightly a grated window that looked out on a beautiful garden and as he did so he perceived and heard people walking and talking in the garden he set himself to listen attentively and those below raised their voices so that he could hear these words urge me not to sing aramencia for thou knowest that ever since the stranger entered the castle and my eyes beheld him i cannot sing but only weep besides my lady is a light rather than a heavy sleeper and i would not for all the wealth of the world that she found us here and even if she were asleep and did not waken my singing would be in vain if this strange aeneas who has come into my neighbourhood to flout me sleeps on and wakens not to hear it heed not that dear altisidora replied a voice the duchess is no doubt asleep and everybody in the house save the lord of thy heart and disturber of thy soul for just now i perceived him open the grated window of his chamber so he must be awake sing my poor sufferer in a low sweet tone to the accompaniment of thy harp and even if the duchess hears us we can lay the blame on the heat of the night that is not the point emerencia replied altisidora it is that i would not that my singing should lay bare my heart and that i should be thought a light and wanton maiden by those who know not the mighty power of love but come what may better a blush on the cheeks than a sore in the heart and here a harp softly touched made itself heard as he listened to all this don quixote was in a state of breathless amazement for immediately the countless adventures like this with windows gratings gardens serenades love-makings and languishings that he had read of in his trashy books of chivalry came to his mind he at once concluded that some damsel of the duchess's was in love with him and that her modesty forced her to keep her passion secret he trembled lest he should fall and made an inward resolution not to yield and commending himself with all his might and soul to his lady dulcinea he made up his mind to listen to the music and to let them know he was there he gave a pretended sneeze at which the damsels were not a little delighted for all they wanted was that don quixote should hear them so having tuned the harp altisidora running her hand across the strings began this ballad o thou that art above in bed between the holland sheets 
a-lying there from night till morn with outstretched legs asleep o thou most valiant knight of all the famed manchegan breed of purity and virtue more than gold of araby give ear unto a suffering maid well grown but evil starred for those two sons of thine have lit a fire within her heart adventures seeking thou dost rove to others bringing woe thou scatterest wounds but ah the balm to heal them dost withhold say valiant youth and so may god thy enterprises speed didst thou the light mid libya's sands or jaca's rocks first see did scaly serpents give thee suck who nursed thee when a babe wert cradled in the forest rude or gloomy mountain cave old dulcinea may be proud that plump and lusty maid for she alone hath had the power a tiger fierce to tame and she for this shall famous be from tagus to harama from manzanares to henil from duero to arlanza fain would i change with her and give a petticoat to boot the best and bravest that i have all trimmed with gold galoon oh for to be the happy fair thy mighty arms enfold or even sit beside thy bed and scratch thy dusty pole i rave to favours such as these unworthy to aspire thy feet to tickle were enough for one so mean as i what caps what slippers silver-laced would i on thee bestow what damask breeches make for thee what fine long holland cloaks and i would give thee pearls that should as big as oak galls show so matchless big that each might well be called the great alone manchegan nero look not down from thy tarpeian rock upon this burning heart nor add the fuel of thy wrath a virgin soft and young am i not yet fifteen years old i'm only three months past fourteen i swear upon my soul i hobble not nor do i limp all blemish i'm without and as i walk my lily locks are trailing on the ground and though my nose be rather flat and though my mouth be wide my teeth like topazes exalt my beauty to the sky thou knowest that my voice is sweet that is if thou dost hear and i am moulded in a form somewhat below the mean these charms and many more are thine spoils to thy spear and bow all a damsel of this house am i by name altisidora here the lay of the heart-stricken altisidora came to an end while the warmly wooed don quixote began to feel alarm and with a deep sigh he said to himself oh that i should be such an unlucky knight that no damsel can set eyes on me but falls in love with me oh that the peerless dulcinea should be so unfortunate that they cannot let her enjoy my incomparable constancy in peace what would ye with her ye queens why do you persecute her ye empresses why ye pursue her ye virgins of from fourteen to fifteen leave the unhappy being to triumph rejoice and glory in the lot love has been pleased to bestow upon her in surrendering my heart and yielding up my soul to her ye love smitten host know that to dulcinea only i am dough and sugar paste flint to all others for her i am honey for you aloes for me dulcinea alone is beautiful wise virtuous graceful and high-bred and all others are ill-favoured foolish light and low-born nature sent me into the world to be hers and no others altisidora may weep or sing the lady for whose sake they belaboured me in the castle of the enchanted moor may give way to despair but i must be dulcinea's boiled or roast pure courteous and chaste in spite of all the magic-working powers on earth 
and with that he shut the window with a bang and as much out of temper and out of sorts as if some great misfortune had befallen him stretched himself on his bed where we will leave him for the present as the great sancho panza who is about to set up his famous government now demands our attention end of volume two part two chapter forty four recording by expatriate in bangor maine